0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. And welcome to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. I'm excited. We're back for season two. But before we get talking about that, let's get the business out of the way first. Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast. But if you want to do something nice, you want to help out the show, please consider telling a friend or leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SnapshotsIn and on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History. Well, I said it. We're back. I'm happy to be here. I want to thank everybody that has reached out during the offseason, said how much they enjoyed the show, gave me some pointers. I read all the reviews. There was one recently left. I really enjoyed. Guy talked about me possibly leading with my questions. You know what? He was right. I took that into consideration during season two. So thank you for leaving that. And thank you for getting in touch with me and leaving that comment. I appreciate all the feedback we can get. If you're a first time listener snapshots in hockey history, basically what we do is we relive the hockey highlight reel with a historical figure from hockey, whether it be a former player, a former GM. Yep, I said GM. We got that coming up this season. We cover one season or one playoff run and we try to get as in-depth as possible. And we get into a lot of different stuff. We get into life off the ice as well as life on the ice. What it was like playing for certain coaches, what systems they used, a variety of topics. This really all got started because I met Alan Hanksleben when I was refing a Washington Capitals alumni game. I was talking to Alan. I went home and I looked up his name and found out that he had been voted the most popular Hartford Whaler on a team that had Dave Keon, Gordie Howe, so many legendary players. And he was voted most popular and I never heard of him. I wanted to know more, and that's how we got kicked off. Our first episode was with Mike Lawler, so it's only fitting that for Season 2 we have Mike Lawler back. Now, a couple things I want to talk about real quick about the format of the show. I don't want people to think we're only going to have the players we had last year on this year. Mike was just such a good guest last year. It's one of our most downloaded episodes. Everyone loves hearing about his time with the Montreal Canadiens. I thought we'd get into that and a little bit of time with the St. Louis Blues, but we've got plenty of new players coming up this season. We've got plenty of new figures, but we're also going to have some of your old favorites back as well. So as I said... We got Mike Lawler this week. We covered his time this his last season with the Montreal Canadiens and his first season with the St. Louis Blues. We talk about the trade. He gets into some great stories about Brett Hall. He talks about being traded, Gene Perron, some really good stuff in this and some funny stuff too. I love the story towards the end of the interview where he talks about fighting Steve Eiserman and Andy Van Helleman getting involved in the situation. It was pretty good. I really enjoyed it and I think you guys will too. Mike's just an awesome guy. I really enjoy hanging out with him. Unfortunately, the audio on this one is not our typical audio. I ended up doing this live with Mike while I was up in Boston. I stopped by at his gym and we did it. And unfortunately, my mic kind of died a little bit. So it sounds like I'm kind of talking almost three feet away from it. And we also did it in Mike's gym. So you pick up a woman teaching in the background who I think was Mike's wife, but it doesn't take away from the interview. The stories are awesome, the stories are there. Really, really good stuff. That's pretty much all I got. Everybody tunes in for the interview, so I'll, I'll stop rambling now. If you're a first-timer, welcome. If you're back for season two, thanks for coming back again. I can't tell you how much I enjoy doing this podcast and the fact that it's continuing to grow every single week, literally, and now it'll hopefully grow for many seasons to come. It really means a lot to me that, that people seem to enjoy it. So thank you for that. Let's get to Mike Lawler and his time with the Montreal Canadiens and St. Louis Blues. By 1988, you'd already spent a couple years with the Montreal Canadiens. Yes. And the team was going through changes. To start, head coach Gene Perron, I think he was either let go or he stepped down.
1: He was let go.
0: So he was let go, because he kind of, from what I gathered, lost the room kind of the
1: prior season, does that sound about right? Yes, we um, we had success that first year, or my first year, which was the 85-86 season, won the cup, that was Jean Perron's first season. And then the next season we lost to the Philadelphia Flyers in the conference finals, and... Um, and then starting the third season, I think Jean was starting to lose it. We, we just weren't the same team that third season. And then we made the playoffs and lost to the Boston Bruins in the um, division finals. Okay. So we were regressing <laughs> uh, each season, you know, so um, and then uh, at the end of that Third season, they they let Jean Perron go and replaced him with um, Pat Burns for to start the eighty eight eighty nine season.
0: And Burns had come up from Sherbrooke, but he'd been like a cop for like sixteen years beforehand.
1: He was a police officer so there was a very like he a, a discipline or command that he had um which was really it was nice and it was no nonsense and everybody was on the same page to prove themselves um and he he was good he was very different than jean and um and that so we started the 88 80 season 89 season with him and um yeah, things were things were off to a good start.
0: Before the season actually got started, you know, Pat Burns is hired right at the end of the season after Jean Perron has let go. Do you recall like when you first talked to him? Did he reach out at all during the summer or was it You kind of saw him at camp for
1: the first time. I knew of Pat uh, through a mutual friend that had nothing to do with hockey. Uh, wasn't friendly, you know. I didn't know Pat personally, but through this family connection, uh, so I knew his reputation of you know being very disciplined and no nonsense, and having coached in junior and for the uh, in the Quebec League for the Hull uh, Mm -hmm. team, and um, so I didn't know a lot about him, but I knew he was a, a very good fair uh person so uh i met him i think just through training camp or whatever i don't remember an initial Mm -hmm. like hi i'm pat hi i'm mike (laughs) you know let's
0: go grab coffee and chat about your position
1: yeah i was like he's the coach and and you're showing up and i gotta play my position
0: now after He was hired, the draft is coming up, and there was actually some rumors that you were talked about in a trade. I don't know if this rings any bells, but Mike Beamish, writer from the Vancouver Sun, reported that the Montreal Canadiens were interested in the Vancouver Canucks first round pick, which was second overall, and they offered up you, Shane Corson, and Giles, and I can never get this right, Thibodeau.
1: Gilles Thibodeau. Thibodeau. (laughs) I'm not friends. That's all right.
0: Up for Vancouver's pick? Does that Randy Bells?
1: Uh, no, I, that's the first I've heard of that. Okay. Um, but it doesn't surprise me, you know, and especially maybe it's it's easier to yeah. um, deal with or accept now all these years oh. later just to know how teams operate and you're always trying to improve and you know you have to make trades so if I was part of that um, I don't know I have the utmost respect for Serge Savard so um and I've been traded a few times through my career so I always looked at it like it's quite an honor for someone to want you in a trade. <laughs> so you. it's you know, as opposed to a team getting rid of you, it was like, wow, somebody wants me. That's awesome.
0: You've been in the league now two or three years, and I'm sure you've got a routine down. What kind of training were you doing at this point?
1: Um, I was working out in Fort Erie, what my hometown, with this guy Fred Atkins. Okay. And Fred was an old wrestler. He wrestled in the 50s and 60s and uh, he was from Australia and what in the wrestling like in Canada was Maple Leaf Wrestling at Mm -hmm. uh, Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens and you know throughout Canada and what eventually evolved into WWE and the spectacle that it is today but Fred was like you know they had wrestling in the 50s and 60s and anyways this guy he he was just in great shape and i'm not he never he didn't believe in lifting weights so i would work out with him and we did a ton of stretching body weight exercises ab work and this exercise of it was like kind of, almost like a tug of war pulling the rope and um and you would work out with him for uh, luckily it, it took a while, but an hour and you were gassed. And, uh, he was way ahead of his time because in the fitness business today, so much of it is core strength and flexibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I was doing with Fred back in, you know, the 30, yeah, 30 plus years ago, back in the the early, uh, early eighties. And then I just continued with that, um, okay. right through, cause I was always in good, shape uh when training camp started so i and i still to this day do fred's workout to oh. some extent
0: <laughs> training camp starts we've got pat burns there you've never i mean this is his first nhl training camp you've only really been exposed to gene baron Jean perron's camp i can't talk to that uh, um let's talk about some of the differences was there any differences
1: Um, he came in and everybody had a clean sheet. He didn't care about the name on your back. He didn't, you weren't, you weren't, um, like, he didn't have you slotted into first line, second line, third line, whatever number of defense you were. It was like, Hey, we're all equal and prove yourself and I'll play the best players. So, I mean, nobody can argue with that. And, um, and he, he was disciplined. He blew that whistle. He expected you to, to move, you know? And, uh, and that was, that was really a refreshing nice way to just, start the season everybody was working hard and and and, you know the coach gets the respect right off the bat Um, and then the the season started and um, uh, Eric Desjardins um, made the team that year and you know and that's where I found myself a little bit of the odd man out um which I was wasn't really prepared for because I was kind of well I've been here three years this is the start of my fourth year I kind of felt like I had I've earned my spot and that uh you know I would start because we played the first game in Buffalo Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I was in Buffalo I found I was a healthy scratch and Eric was playing I was like well I thought you know, I don't feel that way now, but back then I was like, well, Buffalo's my, basically my hometown. And I thought I'd kind of earned my spot to start and that maybe Eric should so wait, wait, wait for me to like mess up, you know. And uh, but Pat said no, Eric's in and you're out. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, so that was the start of our relationship <laughs> for Pat and I.
0: And that was kind of the team would end their preseason playing against the Quebec Nordiques. You had a decent preseason, you also played in three games against Mario Lemieux, where you told the Montreal Gazette how hard it was to play against this guy. So, before we kind of touch on Desjardins, because I want to get to that next. What do you remember over your career about playing against Mario and Mew?
1: Um, those are probably only the three games I got to play against him. Because <laughs> 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 once the regular season started, it'd be like, oh, Mario's on, Mike, hold on. <laughs> <gonna tell> <laughs> Chelios out there or whoever else. And uh, um, But, I mean, Mario, he, he was... And Wayne Gretzky, like they're both and there's other great players, but those two in particular for that era, you know, I don't think they made it look easy. And so there were times that, oh, Mario's not working that hard. Yeah, well, play against him, like his reach and his vision and his height and his the reach of his stick and the things that he could do and did do i mean that's why he's mario lemieux you know so as a defensive defenseman anytime i got to play against the other team's you know top scorers it was it was a great challenge to try to keep them off the score sheet and you were a shutdown
0: guy offense was not really a big part of your game but you did have some offense during the season which we'll get to but as you mentioned opening night october 6th is against the buffalo Sabers. And you're scratched. And it was Donald Dufresne. He actually was inserted in the lineup. And then at game two against the Minnesota North Stars, it was Eric Desjardins. And Pat Burns specifically was asked point blank why Mike Lawler was not playing. And he said, I'm not putting Mike Lawler in when I don't dress him. It's not that I don't like him. I have to see what these other guys can do. And that was, it looks like, kind of his his response. And so looking back 20 years later, 30 years later, and you kind of already answered this, Do you understand where they were coming from or do you still think it was, hey, Brad, I was a vet. I I really think that should be my spot.
1: I understand it now, you know, but but at the time I'm like, oh, my God. And especially I think I was more like Buffalo was my like my parents, my friends, my family was going to be there, you know, and I just thought, oh, man. That's uh, I, I thought I at least earned that, but um, you know. But I, I understand it, it's a business, and Pat's the coach, and I, I understand it clearer now. But at the time, it, it hurt, um, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the,
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know, the vision or the sight. Well, the feelings that I have now, you know. Right, you couldn't so, see it. You're young yeah.
0: and, and you end up finally making your regular season debut on October 14th against the New Jersey Devils and the following week you actually contribute offensively against the hartford whalers with a goal on mike lee just two minutes into the game your game-winning goal though was just one of the few bright spots the canadians had during that early part of the season you lost five of its first eight games patrick wall ended up flipping some furniture in the locker room Stefan Rocher let it be known he wasn't happy with his role in the team that first eight games uh, what's going on what do you remember
1: i don't know i was probably more concerned about myself and my role of whether I was going to play this year and how you know um, and I think that's one thing I did was able to do throughout my career and not hopefully not in a selfish way but stay really in the moment and take care of what I could take care of you know and not that I was unsympathetic to Stefan Richie or anyone else's (laughs) issues but we're all trying to just play our part and as famous Bill Belichick says now do your job you know and that was I had enough things to worry about with myself and maybe didn't concern myself with the overall things that were going on in the locker room you know and the in the team and stuff and you know pat's trying to figure things out as a new coach and there's change and there's expectations right it wasn't it was the 86 season we won the cup and now we you know now we got new new guys on the team and a new coach and what you know yeah. the critics were more critical of us and the expectations were higher so but i think i tried to stay as you said in my lane and yeah, not <laughs> not get game. too caught up in the other distractions and the one thing you, as a player you don't really read the papers and you don't know because you don't want to you don't want to read something bad and and if there's something good well you already know what's good
0: (laughs) and it's funny if you'd read the papers all these years later i'm going to mention something there was an article about you in the paper right around this time that said the rangers were struggling and expressed interest in you as well as rick green and they had made a pass towards the montreal canadians there's a huge picture of you in the paper with the caption that read you weren't happy with your ice time so I know you're the type of person that never would complain publicly. I know that about you. But behind the scenes, were you letting your frustrations be known?
1: Uh, I'm sure. I I don't think so. Well, there was the time. So um, it was probably, I I didn't dress the first two games Mm -hmm. of the season. And Pat wasn't a great communicator. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like, hey, Mike, come on in and here's what we're doing. You know, you're you're left to sort of sort things out on your own and uh and I went to talk to sir I, I went up and talked to Serge Savard who's the general manager and that wasn't the right thing to do because that's like going above Pat Burns you know and I don't I know Pat wasn't happy with that um I didn't know till later but um you know as a young player you, you don't You don't always know and you don't always do the right thing and stuff. And, uh, um, so I, I asked, um, you know, uh, Serge Savard, you know, where, where do I stand? Like, here I am. And what's, you know concerned with my position. So yeah, I, I was probably more, if, if, if Steph or other guys had issues, I was probably more focused on my own. And then, um, so I got into the, so Serge was great. I, to this day, I love Serge Savard. Um, and, uh, you know, but that wasn't the right thing to do. I was wrong. I should have just kept working hard and you know played whenever pat put me in but that didn't help my relationship with pat and then uh, when i got in the lineup and played about eight games um and then eventually i was traded to well no i got hurt you
0: got hurt yeah so then i couldn't (laughs) they couldn't trade me (laughs) you had this game with the hartford whalers where you squared off with tory robertson and kind of a freak accident he broke his leg and then you yourself took a shot i guess in the third period and it ended up doing damage to your ankle.
1: I broke my fibula, which is you got your tibia of your lower leg and the fibula runs up the side of your lower leg, and the shot hit me right above my skate boot and in a bare area where my shin pad didn't cover it, and it just fractured that bone. and so the one thing I couldn't do was skate. You could not push out on the side with a broken uh, fibula, and um, and that kept me out like two and two two and a half months, whatever it was. Um, good news is I could work out really well. I could walk. I could. Um, Ride the stationary bike. So after a couple months, when I came back, I was in great shape. So, Did you have a lot
0: of interaction with the team while you were hurt? Um, you're still
1: part of the team, but you're on the outside of the, you know, the the inner locker room sanctuary, talk and everything, and you know, and as much as I could work out and stay in great shape with that injury, it also wasn't great because, you know, I didn't have a big cast. I just had an air cast on, but it fit under my, like into my dress shoe and under my slack. So I look perfectly healthy. And when someone you're walking around and you look normal, um, people expect, Oh, why aren't you playing? Um, but the um yeah sometimes when you have an injury you wish you had like that cast or something that, people so people would know oh, like oh he's hurt I didn't look hurt so uh um but uh yeah you're you're always any injury you're you're not you're not traveling with the team you're you know you're just a little bit oh they're still your friends you're still your right. teammates everyone's awesome but uh you're just not in there battling with them and stuff and
0: after two months on January 12th in Boston, you returned to the ice and helped the Habs win 5-3 over the Bruins. You had an assist on a goal scored by Ryan Walter. And Pat Burns praised you for your play and made it clear you'd be given a sweater the following game in Toronto. So it sounds like you had a pretty good comeback.
1: Sounds and, like he was going to trade me.
0: <laughs> well, well, he's telling people, but that's a huge issue. It's a constant carousel. the The Habs were carrying eight defensemen. So at this time, did you feel kind of on edge a little bit?
1: No, I, I didn't think that. I was focused on trying to trying to get back in the lineup and and play and
0: uh and we talked about playing the Ma- Maple Leafs. Everybody knows about the storied battle of you know Quebec, Montreal and Quebec. What about Toronto? Do you have any memories of when you were at Hab playing for you know playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs?
1: Going into Toronto, there were a lot of Habs fans and, and that rivalry went back like from the start of t- yeah time and I guess in today's thing it'd be Yankees and Red Sox or you know like it just was there and uh um and I just remember being in Toronto and the excitement of that game like people there were a lot of Habs fans in the building and it was just you really felt like it was a throwback, like I heard in that game. Awesome. Uh, um, right well, it was old, I didn't particularly like it because the corners were shallow, <laughs> and uh, it was just odd the way the puck would kind of bounce off of there. But the atmosphere was awesome. The everybody in that in their those seats, they were just you know, they've been going there for I don't know, a hundred years or whatever, you know.
0: That would be your last time wearing a Montreal Canadian sweater at the gardens though on January 16th your world gets rocked when you find out after practice that you've been traded to the St. Louis Blues. The team swapped first round picks and included a third round or second round pick contingent on how the Blues performed in the playoffs over the next three years. Mike first time being traded let's kind of can you walk me through what you remember and and the chaos that probably ensued
1: um we we're ba- we we're at the Montreal Forum we just finished practice and I'm in the lock I'm in the back of w- the gym like working out and Bob Ganey comes up and says hey uh, Pat wants to talk to you and uh I'm like oh okay like I thought I'd Kind of finish my workout and go and see him. I'm, I did not think in him. I was, was going to be traded.
0: That's not abnormal for someone to come in and say, "Hey, the coach wants to."
1: see Yeah, you. coach wants to see you. Who else is going to deliver? It, you yeah. know, and uh, so I didn't see any urgency or anything, and uh, I was just finishing up my workout, and you know we. I'd only been back for two games and th- I think they both went well. I'm not sure if we won in Toronto, but you, you uh, won I th- in both games. Yeah. Both so games I'm words. thinking, Oh, things are good. Right. I'm back and we won. And, um, what could Pat possibly want to talk to me about? Tell me I'm good. <laughs> or, or, hey, th- th- hey, thanks. Glad you're back in the lineup. <laughs> and, uh, and then I don't know, a few minutes later, Bob came back and said, Hey, Pat wants to talk to you now. I'm like, oh, okay. Went in the room and Pat was, um, you know, like, Hey, kind of, I, I don't know how to describe it on in the podcast, but kind of sympathetic and like friendly and like sad and like, like, Mike, I, 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 can't believe it, but Serge traded you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, did you say something to him before, you know? And I'm like, Oh man, whatever. Um, so, and, uh, so the, um, like, I just, uh, I don't think Pat was a big fan of mine, you know, but, uh, anyways, uh, who will we'll never know. Um, and uh, and he said, Pat, you know, or Pat said, you know, you you've been traded. Surge traded you to the St. Louis Blues, and uh, and that's it. And thank you for your service and what have you. And uh, and that was it. I walked out of his office, and whatever. The only thing you really hear, or I heard, the first for that first trade was, "You've been traded." Everything else is just sort of <laughs> like a blur, yeah. and like background noise that it, it was really uh, i was i was rocked and shocked and sad you know um, the only
0: place you had played in the national hockey league yeah like up there a couple years before
1: right? yeah and i was hoping for good things you know and it was january and um so i you know it was just um yeah it was a shock so then uh I went back, showered, and changed, and uh, Brian Scroodland and I were best friends, and we lived, we were neighbors, and uh, so Brian drove me home, and um, now I got to go in and tell my wife that we've been traded, and at the time, our son Jordan was eight months old, and it was. (laughs) <laughs> it was kind of I don't know Norman Rockwellish or whatever I walk in the front door the my wife is ironing the ironing tables out she's ironing the baby's eight months old and on the floor and she's got tears in her eyes so she knew before i could even tell her because beth smith had called her okay and uh was like oh i'm so sorry And Lee's like what are you talking about and um and she's like is it true (laughs) i'm like yes and uh I don't know what the time was but if that was around noon or one o'clock by four o'clock i had a bag packed and was driving to um duval 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 airport um brian was driving me and uh dropped me off and i got on a plane went to st louis and then next i would have arrived in st louis late that night checked into a holiday inn and the next morning i got up and went to the old checker dome um, in st louis and met my new teammates and you know half the just that, that was it hours. and uh, practiced and that night we played so and
0: backing up a little bit and the, the notes i have could be wrong but they actually said you jumped on a plane and went to la first you didn't even get down to st louis because it
1: was an away game, and I could add the wrong notes on this. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I went right to St. Louis because I, um, I was born in Buffalo, New York, but grew up in Canada, and I was at the airport in Montreal, and the guy's like, "Well, do you have a visa or whatever?" Like he knew. I was traded and who I was and everything. And he goes, but you were born in Buffalo. Like, do you have your birth certificate or some form of? And I did. I always had this American birth certificate folded up in my wallet. He goes, oh, I'll let you in as an American citizen when you get to St. Louis, um, apply for an American passport and uh, you're good to go. You check in at the
0: holiday, put your stuff down. You've just played in the hockey cap, hockey royalty for the past five years. Now you're going down to St. Louis in the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s. They haven't ever won a Stanley Cup up until this year. Um, what is your first reaction between the, the old <laughs> Checker Dome and uh, and I see the smile on your face.
1: Okay, the first thing. The
0: first thing that pops in your mind.
1: I check into the Holiday Inn in Clayton, Missouri, <laughs> in the suburb of St. Louis, and it's 72 degrees in St. Louis. Now I got traded January 16th. Oh, that must have been nice. It must have been sixty below in Montreal, and I get to St. Louis, and it's it's beautiful there. <laughs> like the, there's no snow on the ground, no ice, and it. I swear to you, it had to have been in the seventies, and um, I was like, wow. This is nice. I called my wife. I made it. I said, it might not be too bad here. <laughs> you might, you might to to might this might not be stuff. so bad. <laughs> like, I used to 70 degree oh my God. Those, like if you ever go to Montreal in January, February, it is, it is cold. Um, so that, so that was the first thing, the temperature, the next morning I get up, I don't know, I must get a cab to the, to the Checker dome. It's a Big old building out like in the suburbs, and I don't, I can't even find my way into the building. I was
0: gonna ask <laughs> did anybody reach out and give you instructions, and was like, hey, you know, welcome to town. Do this, do this,
1: do this. No, not really. It was, you know, that part was a little odd, but that was just the times, and it was no big deal. And but I finally uh, talked to the security guy, convinced him that I was a player, <laughs> and he let me in the building, and um, and then uh, the locker. Room room and all the guys they were more than welcoming and that's the great thing about being traded in Mm -hmm. the NHL like you walk into that locker room and you got 20 guys with open arms and a coaching staff and you know they 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 really make you feel welcome and we skated that morning and played that night and um I remember like putting my St. Louis jersey on, number twenty six, and that was that was strange because it always been the red, white, and blue, you know, the C H. And I'm in the bathroom area in the mirror, like looking at my new jersey, and I I liked it. Like we were wearing the whites and the colors. And I was like, man, this is a good looking jersey. And Brian Sutter, he just I don't know if he was passing through or whatever. He goes. Oh man, that looks good.
0: <laughs> Center, of course, is just retired he's, and now he's the head
1: head coach. coach. And uh, we had Bernie Fedurko there, and uh, and we started to play. And I want to say the first seven, eight games, or whatever, three weeks of that I was there, it was we were playing really good hockey.
0: It was it was hot. You guys definitely got off to a good start. In your first four games, you had like two assists four goals oh that was in your first six games excuse me Two assists, four goals and as a guy that you weren't really an offensive guy in Montreal what gave you the confidence in St. Louis to kind of switch up your game join the rush Uh,
1: I think my role just changed rather than being like you know the fifth sixth seventh eighth defenseman in Montreal and you got to look at who you know, the guys ahead of me in Montreal were, you know, they're Larry and Shelly and, you know, that was a tough, tough, top four to crack, you know. Um, and, uh, and so in St. Louis, I, I was inserted into that you know top three top four defensive rotation or pairings and uh and and being called upon to play just play a bigger role with more minutes and with that you know just everything sort of evolved there were probably more opportunities and and that that it just really it it was it was a nice feeling and I I enjoyed it and uh it was was good. good
0: thing for you
1: Because I think, well, I think maybe in St. Louis, one of my first games was against L.A. with Wayne Gretzky. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, just, you know, when you're on the bench and it's like Gretzky's, Gretzky's up. You know Lawler and whoever Cavallini or whoever, yeah, oh, you know, there, yeah. you, you guys are up. You know, get out there. Like, hey, let's change. It's like, wow, that was never happened. And it was the other way around in yeah. Montreal, where oh Lawler's out. get off the ice. <laughs> so
0: there's more opportunity in St. Louis. And, yeah. And you guys, you continue to contribute offensively. Um, the Blues end up winning against the New York uh, playing against the New York Islanders and winning in February. You guys snagged a, a five nothing win over them. You scored your your first goal that um that game and then you go on and score some more but uh brett hall had a three-point night that night he was young can you share any brett hall stories
1: brett hall um he was great and you know brett hall wasn't known for back checking (laughs) and uh you know i'm new to the team and meeting the guys getting to know them, and guys would you know oh you know they like kind of prepping me on Holly. Oh, Holly, you know, he doesn't work that hard in practice and he doesn't back check. And, you know, I'm like, well, whatever, you know, um, that's the coaches, you know, whatever. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It looks, looks like he's scoring goals and stuff. So, oh, he likes to float and, you know, and, um, but for the first three weeks, that I was there and we were really on a tear. I mean, Hully was working hard in practice. He was back checking. He, you know, just, I was like, man, it it didn't, the way what I saw wasn't what his teammates who are, you know, or what I've, uh, what I heard, right? And, uh, but after three weeks, Hully and I were having a, a beer in the wives room. He says, "Lols, you know, I've been working my ass off for like three (laughs) weeks and doing this, and he goes, I don't know. I I think I get more opportunities when I just float around. (laughs) and uh, I think he started floating, but he he finished with 40 goals that year, Um, and that was, I just got there in January, and he, you know, he was lighting it up, finished with 40, and the next year, he he played out the option year of his contract, and I think he scored 72 goals, and we had a good year, and um, Adam Adam Oates was there, and, you know, my thoughts were, Holly, you know, he, he, he was scoring goals and he was a big part, however he did it, he, he didn't really need to back check and I didn't care if he worked hard in practice, it's like just, you know, he showed up and played the games and that was the most important thing and uh, him and Adam Oates were great together and uh, just a big part of that, that team.
0: Former St. Louis Blues team captain Brian Sutter was now the head coach and and he really was a fan of yours. He expressed that in the papers and and things like that. And one of the things that he really talked about was that you were mentoring Paul Cavallini and and you two ended up performing together as a pretty good duo. Uh, What can you tell me about your relationship with Paul as well as, I guess, Brian Sutter?
1: Um, Brian was great because he was a no-nonsense guy and you just had to work hard, you know, all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and at times he was maybe a little bit too intense, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning at the pregame, you know, the morning skate, it's like, whoa, we don't play till seven tonight. That's, I can't keep that intensity up for, um, you know, but he, he was very, he, he knew what he wanted and, you know, hard work, He the whole Sutter family, everything's about hard work with the Sutter's and Brian, he, he was there even as a coach, you know? Um, but, uh, but he was fair, and I thought he handled Brett Hall really well, um, which was, you know, just, I think, a compliment to, to Brian and to Brett, you know, that uh, um, Brett was able to play and play well, and Brian was a great, uh, great coach to him because it's not always easy coaching star Players. He was in, um, the
0: most out of
1: Yeah, and let him play his game. Um, I think there was some friction between Brian and uh, Bernie Federico. Um, I think that's always a tough transition from being teammates to now being the head coach and responsible, but Bernie was awesome. And, um, and he was the captain. Then. He was a captain and just an all around like nice guy and a talented player. I had no idea how talented he was until I, until I practiced against him because Man, he was so frustrating to practice against because he was just so good. (laughs) He was that good. So it was, um, you know, playing. He he did his thing. The other team had to worry about him. Um, That yeah, it was. uh, So with Paul Cavallini, I don't know. We just played and your teammates and whoever you get partnered with um you know paul's a nice guy we're still friends today i talked to him a couple of weeks ago and Ooh. we ended up being teammates in in dallas together washington wherever we were um, but our paths always crossed and that so
0: it would really the, the duo was talked about quite a bit in the media and about how you really helped him come along and, and he even talked about how helpful you were. Um, following the game against the Islanders in the month of February, it kind of, things kind of flipped and the team would lose seven of its next games. So we talked about things were going, when things were going well, what was the organization like when things were going bad?
1: It. You know when you're you're on a streak, you know, and you're winning. Like w- when we started that first three weeks, like you want to keep it going, mm-hmm. and you don't want to let anything up. And I think that comes from Brian Sutter. It's like we're on a roll, and he's in charge of the ship and everything. But you can kind of push too hard, and I think that when things started to change or slip then panic kinda of sets in. It's like, oh no, we're gonna we just barely won that game. Like we gotta be better and to uh, get away from the plan, maybe? It just it, and fatigue sets in too. So it's a it's a tough balancing act for a coach to to handle that. And so you know now we we lose a game okay then you lose two and next thing you've lost 3 and panic starts to set in and oh we got to work harder and you're working we were working hard before and now we're working harder and harder well now you're you're talking about february into march you're tired from this and so where where's that balance of you know are we are we not working hard or are we tired and nobody wants to ever admit that you're tired so you just keep working harder it's like beating you know keep whipping the horse horse, you know it's like oh we're we're playing worse instead of better and what I kind of remember is like we had that losing streak and it wasn't till you know finally it's like oh you know what nothing's working let's just go out there and have fun and all of a sudden the pressure's off we got nothing to lose but another game but what's the difference between losing seven and losing eight and just you know and just just get back to the fundamentals and playing and having fun and 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 like the coaching staff easing off us a little Mm -hmm. bit you know like oh maybe we were pushing too hard we you know and then then we started to turn things around again towards the end of the season made the playoffs and I think we played Minnesota maybe in the first round I'm not sure you did end
0: up playing Minnesota Um, you ended up getting out of this loss on February 27th uh, with a 7-5 win over the Leafs in Toronto and it was a game winning goal by Bernie Federco and we talked about him he said he was a great guy he was the team captain You beat out the Kings six to two at home and and things start to really improve. But this is your first, the next game is your first game against the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago, wearing a blues note. And this is a well-known rivalry. What do you remember about this rivalry with the Chicago Blackhawks?
1: Uh, It, It wasn't as intimidating going in there wearing a blues uniform uh because i was already subject to it wearing a habs uniform going into chicago so that original six when when montreal went into chicago it it was every bit as intense as the chicago st louis Mm -hmm. uh so from that point of view it didn't seem that that different Uh, Um, but to go in there um it it is Intense, And the Chicago fans and the old Chicago stadium, they were, they were the, I don't want to say they were the best because, you know, St. Louis fans are good too, but there was something about the, like it was a more intimate setting the big checker dome was was bigger you know but the Chicago Stadium it felt like like gladiators you know and and the ice surface was smaller and there was no neutral zone and you know they would dump that puck in and come crashing in and and Brian Sutter just all he wanted you to do is just shoot it hard around the board so it was just a battle all night and the few times i tried to make a pass up the middle it was okay when it worked but man there was a couple times it didn't and then you'd have to (laughs) have the wrath of brian like looking at you just Cross-eyed Shoot that buck around the (laughs) boards Just get it out of here Yeah, but there were like six guys there (laughs) I don't care
0: (laughs) The game would end up being a 3-3 tie And this was also the game that marked the return of Tony McGegney Who had been struggling a little bit after having a really good prior season Uh, What do you remember about Tony? He's not a guy that you really hear much about
1: no, I I watched I, I watched Tony when he was with the Buffalo Sabres. So he was I'm not sure how old much older but he was a veteran and a guy that I remember watching as a kid. Um and um yeah, I'm not sure what happened with him at that that season. He kind of, I don't know if he had injuries or was in and out of the lineup, but uh, he, he was a nice guy, And but I, I never really got to know him mm-hmm. too well That's And in uh, that. so
0: Trade yeah. deadline passes. Ron Caron does not make any new moves, but he's praised highly by the media for the trades he did pull off that season, which included bringing in you and, and also bringing in Peter <laughs> Zezel. What was your relationship
1: like with Ron? Um, I don't. I was a player. He was a general manager. He liked to talk a lot, and he would tell stories and just, you know, he'd kind of ramble. I, I didn't have a real like Is that close that As an employee,
0: you just shake your head up and down.
1: Yeah, you're just he's like, oh, GM, he's the yeah. GM, and you know, I. I um, whatever he was talking about and stuff he he, he was a knowledgeable guy and uh, i think a, a decent general manager and well respected through all his years in hockey and stuff but um yeah as a As a player, you're a player, and it's easy to look back on things now and be like, "Wow, that's (laughs) I should have I should have appreciated Ron Curran more, or talked to him more, or listened to him more." But you know, you're just kind of in the moment of you know just playing, like everything's so important. I've never I was never a good like I had to work hard all the time. I had to work hard to get there and work hard to stay there. So it was never.
0: I've heard the expression. Going, it's harder to get there. It's 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 even harder to stay. It's hard to get there, but it's even harder to stay on top for that long.
1: Yeah, and you want to just you're always trying to prove yourself. So if the general manager's talking to you, it's probably yes sir, no sir, yes, and uh, you know wow. and, uh, and that. But I did I negotiated a contract after that year in uh, so it had more negotiating. 't have conversations,
0: conversations. Time, or did you
1: do that on your own? Uh, Jeff Neiman was my agent and helped me with that contract but you're still you know you're still involved in it mm-hmm. and talking and that and, and negotiations are always tough because the team doesn't want to pay you what you feel you're worth exactly. <laughs> but uh, I'd have to say that uh, you know Ron it was fair so
0: as March comes to a close on the 24th the Blues end up playing the Buffalo Sabres. And this is a game. In addition to having three minor penalties uh, that you had, that you probably don't, for, you will never forget, <laughs> Clint Malarchuk game. Okay. Do you recall that evening?
1: I recall that evening, but I had three minor. Yeah, per- yeah, three minors. But that's wow, not why you I don't
0: recall forget. that one. <laughs> that's not why you won't forget.
1: Um, yeah. So we're playing in uh, in Buffalo, and uh, <clears throat> it's the first period, and. Yeah. There's um. I remember the the Sabers had, uh, and that was another small rink, the old, Brilliant. you know, uh, the old auditorium, and then um, and the. the sabers had the pressure on us and we were in our end and tough to get out and i think it was a a long pass or maybe an icing whatever the puck goes down and uh i believe it's steve tuttle and uh, is racing for the puck back in the day where you had to touch the puck for an icing or whatever he's chasing it steve tuttle gets caught up with uh sabers defensemen and they slide into the goal crease and Back then, I think they had the big pegs still in the nets, and uh, Clint Millarchuk kind of tried to protect those players from sliding into the goal post and hurting themselves. And in that, someone's skate came up and cut Clint Millarchuk's jugular. Mm-hmm. And um, the rest of us, Clint's on all fours in the crease, bleeding to death, and uh, it's just pouring out of them and the rest of us are in the corner pushing and shoving like a hockey scrum like nothing's happened, like just pushing and shoving and mm-hmm. saying whatever pleasantries to each other and then yeah. looking and seeing Clint and all this blood in the crease and I mean you can everything just stopped and um, it was a surreal moment and one thing is I, I when I talk about it it's i i my memories are more from watching videos Mm -hmm. than actually you know feeling like i remembering being on the ice i was i was on the ice when it happened and uh and then it was fortunate that it happened at the end of the rink where the doors were that you came in which was the closest to the locker rooms and you know there's great doctors and staff right there and the trainer for the sabers jumped out and um you know they pinched off the the vein or whatever uh, the artery and uh they got him to the locker room and uh, I don't know how they they saved his life you know um and uh it was the end of the first period I don't know how many minutes were left in the period but both teams went to the locker room um it was just a really eerie feeling like that was a bad accident everyone knew it and so we went in they cleaned the ice and then we came back finished the few minutes of the first period went right into the second period and finished the game and that's why i'm surprised i had three penalties because i don't it probably wasn't for body checking or roughing because i don't think anyone touched anyone it's the of rest of the game
0: like just it's like the christmas day game just yeah. get it over just, with
1: just just play it and you know and be done with it. you know pro- yeah just whatever just we we're probably tapping the pads of the other the visiting you know the uh, opposition team like a, you okay
0: <laughs>
1: it, it was emotional and that was um
0: just two nights later, though, the Blues are back at it again against the Detroit Red Wings, so you guys didn't take any time off. And while the team picked up a 3-2 win, the talk of the game was this little melee that took place with about a minute left. You and future Hall of Famer Steve Eiserman squared off. But when you look at the box scores on this, it doesn't say that there was any penalties dished out, yet you guys clearly fought in front of 19,000 fans. Might set the record straight 20 years later. What happened?
1: Oh, this is awesome. I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> um, it's near the end of the game and it's a tight game. I think maybe we're winning. Do we win that game? We win 3 2. 3 2. So it's like 3 2, and there's only less than five minutes to play in the game, probably less than three minutes to play in the game. And so, something happens, and a couple guys start fighting. Well, you once there's a fight everyone else kind of pairs up and you kind of grab the closest guy to you and i have steve eiserman well i respect steve and he's as tough and can fight but he's you never see him fight or do anything so i i grab him and um thinking i'm just gonna hold on to him and i'm, I'm not gonna punch steve Eiserman, but yeah. he freaking hauls off and hits me first like and he he's strong and he can fight and right away i'm on the defense and he doesn't stop and next thing um he's hitting me i'm trying to protect myself in a classic hockey fight my i my head's down and my shirt's coming over my head and i'm trying not to like get hit (laughs) and uh and trying to fight back and that and we move over towards the boards and in the old joe lewis arena the glass on the sides wasn't as high as it is today Mm -hmm. and there's a there's fans like on the boards able to like reach over like have standing on the boards and leaning over the glass. And by now I've kind of battled back a little bit and we're holding, but I'm exhausted and no one's throwing any punches, but we're holding and and the fans are like, One fan's yelling, Lawler, you touch him, I'm gonna kill you. You don't touch Steve Eisenman. They're like right there, and the fans yelling at me, like, You ever touch Eisenman? You know, you're dead, you know, we'll kill you, you know. And the other fan is like, Lawler, you just got your ass kicked by Steve Eisenman, you pussy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's like, Oh my god, I'm holding on, and um. And then Andy Van Helleman comes over and it was like right out of slap shot. He looks at the two of us and he says, because there's like fights all over the, yeah, everyone's fighting on the ice, right? There's five fights going on and he comes over to us and it's only one referee on the ice at that time. And he looks at both of us and he says, were you two fighting, like pointing his finger at us? And we looked said, no. He's <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> and we broke off. I pull my sweater back on. And uh, he clears up all the penalties. And next thing, the face-offs to the left of our goalie in our end. And Steve's taking the draw, and I'm out there. And so we, no penalties. No penalties, and we're out there playing the last two, three minutes of the game. And we so, hold the them off. That's
0: straight. You actually told Andy Van hellman nope, we didn't fight. Yeah, I was like no
1: we haven't been fighting why
0: did you do that yeah. of course
1: not he's like okay and oh, i ran awesome. into andy a couple uh, years later uh, at a golf tournament and uh, and you know we're having a few beers and just everything's fun and there's just old stories and uh and I said, andy i gotta ask you about that like do you remember and he laughed and he said i remember that night you guys oh, that's such a great story. <laughs> so I, mean- I never heard steve's uh you know comment on it or side of it, but that's mine. <laughs>
0: oh, what a great story. Well, that would be, you would play one night later against the Detroit Red Wings again, and it was a 4-2 to win, and that pretty much wrapped up the regular season, and we can do a whole other episode on the playoffs. I know you're busy, so you, you played against the North Stars and you ended up beating them, and then next round you went against the Blackhawks, which ended up being a loss. Um, one person that made an appearance, though, during the playoffs, and, and it was their rookie uh, really first games in the NHL, it was Rob Brendemore who, of course, has gone on to have a lengthy career as a coach. What do you remember about a
1: young Rod Brendamore? Rod was uh, an an intense individual, Mm -hmm. and by the sounds of it, he stayed intense (laughs) all the way through to the playoffs this year with Carolina. Um, Yeah, he hasn't changed at all, I don't think. But he he came out of maybe Michigan or Michigan State, and – And he, he just had this intenseness and this ritual of what he would go through before he left the ice in the locker room. And man, we were, as he walked out, a few of us veterans were like, whoa. That kid's, that kid's <laughs> that intense, man. <laughs> but he played hard and he worked hard and obviously his long career and everything and, I mean, the accolades that he receives. Uh, you know, he's just an awesome guy. And it was nice to see him, like, in his first game. And then we were teammates the next season together. And, uh, and he just, you know, was a good, hardworking, talented player and strong. I, I mean, he had muscles everywhere you know and uh, yeah Yeah. and he was like that coming out of college and starting and uh, you know and he he played with Brett Hall um for a while and i think he found that a little intimidating at the start to <laughs> right. to be a centerman for Brett Hall and that Man, but God's uh legend. um you know Holly's not always the most sympathetic guy like so i've heard <laughs> so, so, I've heard. <laughs> so uh, i felt felt a little bad for uh for rod uh, early in his career with that
0: any memories of the playoffs that year anything stick out
1: Um, no, just, uh, I think we were playing a three out of five, uh, first round Mm -hmm. season still. And, uh, and we played Minnesota and I think we played four out of the first four out of the, we played, we played two, had a day off and Mm -hmm. played two. So we played four games in five nights and that was, um, that was hard. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, but Whatever it was, we we matched up, and uh, I think we did it two years in a row when I was at St. Louis. We played Minnesota in the first round, but we were ready for them. We were a good team and then can't really remember what happened against Chicago in the second round, but it was you know disappointing um, to you know to not move on. but it was it was fun my my time in St. Louis.
0: Well, as we wrap things up, we're sitting here in your awesome fitness space. Uh, you shared this last time, Teammates Fitness. Can you share the website if people are in the Boston area want to grab a workout?
1: Uh, teammatesfitness.com.
0: So what you're saying is, it's okay to lie. I can't believe that Andy Van Helleman at the end of this thing was like, hey, so did you guys fight or not? And when him and Steve Eiserman both said no, he actually believed him. And I know, I know it was a different era and they didn't have instant replay and stuff, but what a classic story. I just love that. I just, I don't know. Anyways, want to thank Mike again for coming on. As he said, teammatesfitness.com is his fitness facility. And we got a lot more coming up like this throughout the next few months for season two of Snapshots in Hockey History. Just some friendly conversations with some former players that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, and talking about their experiences playing in the National Hockey League or really in professional hockey. I know somebody wanted me to do some IHL and AHL stuff. I'm telling you, that stuff is coming this season, as well as some more from your NHL favorites. That's all we've got. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History. In the meantime, Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History and on Twitter at SnapshotsIn. Thanks for checking us out. Appreciate it. Have a great week. See you next week.